Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. What did he do with First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered. I'm Ed Kratz, the publisher of Eagles Today with the Sports Illustrated channel, and I am joined by my colleague, Grant Cohn, who is the publisher for all 49ers with Sports Illustrated. Uh, Grant, welcome. Um, Ed, thanks for having me. How are you? Uh, I'm great, man. Thanks a lot for coming on board. Uh, you know, okay. the Eagles, obviously, there's some connections with the with the Bay Area, the most recent being the signing of Jaquiski Tart. Um, not that long ago, just uh, fairly recently, the Eagles signed him, kind of the last shoe to drop in this offseason for the Eagles. They've addressed so many needs on defense, and they really needed a safety. And they bring in Jaquiski Tart. Now, the last we saw Jaquiski Tart, I think, was in that NFC Championship game where he had an interception in his hands and he dropped it, which could have turned the outcome of that game against the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams went on the win, went to the Super Bowl, and won that. But you covered Tart for all seven of his years, I guess, when he's been uh, with the 49ers. What what can you tell us first of all of the kind of player and teammate Chiquisky Tart is and what the Eagles are getting. He's, he's really below the radar. I mean, he's so below the radar that you, he's new to you, but his name is not phonetic. He pronounces it Jaquaski just cause and just cause. And I guess that's how he has his whole life. It's spelled Jaquiski, it's pronounced Jaquiski, and he's so low profile that most people just don't even get it right. And he really doesn't correct people. But to me, I mean, he's a former second round pick. He's a big safety, but he can, he's extremely versatile. I mean, when he's healthy, he can play strong safety. He can play free safety. He can play single high. He can play in the box. Uh, He's very good in man-to-man coverage. Like Fred Warner gets a lot of uh, hype on the 49ers for coverage, but Tart's much better in man-to-man. Warner's made a lot of plays in zone, but that's different. Um, Tart's actually probably underrated. The thing with Tart is that he's he's 30 at this point, and it's pretty much established that he's not a playmaker. You know, he's not going to intercept a bunch of the passes. He's not going to force turnovers. But when he's on the field, he's not going to give up big plays. And I think he was always a net positive for the 49ers. But this year – they're, the way their season ended, so emotional, so painful, losing. They had, a, they had a lead in the fourth quarter against the eventual Super Bowl champions and gave it away. And the way that quarter started, the way it all slipped away, it started with Tart dropping this gimme interception. And it's like, had he caught that pick, would the Niners have definitely gone to the Super Bowl? No. I mean, was that the reason they didn't make it? No. But it was such a – I mean, it was a gimme. It was uncontested. And I think 
part of the reason he's not back with the Niners is a little emotional. Like they can't like looking at him is reliving that, that fourth quarter and they can't do it. So he had to go. I mean, they get, they got rid of his, they gave his number away. First thing this off season was like, wow, I, I, I guess no loyalty here. Cause he was really a very good player for wow. them for seven years. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. What was his number? It was last year. It was three. And this offseason, they signed Ray Ray McLeod, gave him number three right off the bat. It's like, well, I guess that's it for Jaquan Dart. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he signed for a ton of money in Philly. No. It's not like the Niners have a big name replacement. They drafted a guy, Talanoa Hufunga, last year in round five, who took some snaps away from Tart last year, but not a lot. And Tart was demonstrably better than, than Hufunga last year. And the Niners still are rolling the dice on this young guy. Is that kind of why you think they got rid of him? Because they had a succession plan in place here. Like you said, he's 30 years old at this point. They want to maybe kind of turn it over a little bit, go a little younger, maybe a little bit cheaper. You think, think that's why they got rid of him? Well, it's not like Tart's expensive, but yes, I think they want to go younger. And also there's a little bit of a mentality, a little bit more teams are a little bit more loyal to the players that they draft as, to the, as opposed to the ones they inherit. And Tart's been here a long time, but he got drafted when Jim Tom Sula was a head coach. He survived Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, and he was one of the few people that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch retained from those years. And I mean, there's always, I feel like there's a little bit less loyalty to those players. They, teams always want to say, here's a guy that we drafted and developed ourselves. We, we scouted him, we saw the greatness, and we got him, like how they are with you know, George Kittle and you know Fred Warner. So I think that's part of it. That's great stuff. Um, chemistry is such a big part, obviously, of winning locker rooms. How, what kind of, I mean, I don't know how well you got to know him. I know these last few years have been kind of hampered with the COVID stuff and we haven't been able to get into the locker room and as close as we'd like, but what kind of person, if, if you know it all, is Chikwaski? I got to get used to saying that. And I'm glad you told me, because, you know, because yes. we're probably get him in a, in a, in a press conference yes. here around training camp. And I want to make sure I'm first out of the shoot with Chikwaski, because I think everybody Quasky. around here. He's calling him Jaquiski. But, but anyway, what kind of person, Grant, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. the Eagles are getting to put into this locker room as a, as a person? Okay. Jaquaski is a very down-to-earth, very down-to-earth, uh, normal guy. He's a He's been in the league a long time, second-round pick. You wouldn't know it. I mean, I think what he likes to do in his, his spare time is go to Utah and fish. He's not a high-profile diva at all. That being said, he's very sensitive. He's extremely sensitive. Mm. And if you write an article saying Jaquaski Tart messed up or he was a bad signing or they should get someone else, he'll read it. And he'll either tweet about it or he'll come to you in the locker room very respectfully, very respectfully, and talk to you about it. And that's fine. I mean, a lot of players won't be so respectful. He's grown up. He's 30 years old, but he's very sensitive. And mm. to me, to a fault, like, let it go, Jaquaski. You know, it's not... But anyway, I guess that's what he's like, and you get to know him. Well, yeah, you know, sensitivity doesn't really play well in Philadelphia. I mean, you you know what? <laughs> he thought that San Francisco was tough, dude. Yeah, you better catch those interceptions when they hit you in the chest out in Philly. I'm saying, welcome to the welcome yeah. to the East Coast, bro. But you know, he, yeah. he is from uh, where? Alabama, right? I think he was. Yes. Uh, played down at Sanford, and what's interesting, and you might know this, or Eagles fans may be hearing this for the first time, but. James Bradbury, who the Eagles signed uh, as a free agent prior to signing Jaquaski, uh, played at Sanford as well. He was a second-round hmm. pick of the Panthers back in 2016, and Jaquaski was a second-round pick out of Sanford in 2015. I mean, that, 
that's a pretty good secondary for a school that really isn't noted for putting players into the NFL, Samford. Um, it's remarkable. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's terrific. So they're kind of reuniting this Samford secondary. Now, you know, the Eagles issue. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he only signed for, I think, he, you know, reports are that he got a little bit more than the veterans minimum to sign in Philadelphia, which is a little bit more than they paid Anthony Harris to come back uh, on a one-year deal. So, uh, you know, there's opportunity. So if Chikwaski comes in and he plays well and he lives up to, you know, what he's kind of shown his first seven years. I mean, you're in the league for seven years for a reason. You can play if you're still in the league after seven seasons, I would think. Here's the Jaquaski tart experience. He'll get on the field and you won't notice him. Usually he's not making plays. You don't even think about him. But what you will notice is the other team not throwing deep. The other team's not getting big plays. There's no like long runs through the defense. He's where he needs to be. He makes the tackle. He's in the right position. He doesn't give up the big play. There's value in that. And you can put him in so many different places. If you have, uh, if you need him to play free safety, he can do it. If you need him to play in the box, he can do it. He just, it, I mean, I guess out here the reputation he has is that he's injury prone, but he's a strong safety who throws his body around. Is he more injury prone than any other 30-year-old strong safety? Maybe not. Maybe maybe that was a little too harsh. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to legislate against injuries. I mean, you're, if you're going to get right. hurt, you know, you're going to get hurt. You know, yeah. Unless it's a hamstring and you're not stretching properly, but, uh, you know, it's tough to not get injured in this game, but. His injuries more are, you know, throwing his shoulder into people, that kind of stuff. But uh, he played most of the last couple of seasons. So maybe that's an old, maybe that's an outdated uh, uh, reputation of his. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great stuff, Grant. I mean, I can't wait to meet the guy. Um, see what, Tell him I say hello. Yeah, I, I will. I will. I hope he doesn't, okay. uh, hope he doesn't go doll Javon Kinlaw on me. And anybody that knows Grant knows uh, the Javon Kinlaw situation there. Uh, which is all well, good uh, now, I understand. Dukowski went to high school with Jimmy Ward, and they were running mates on the Niners for a long time. Jimmy Ward and I happened to get along very well. So I think Dukowski can at least – I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Tell me what happens. Oh, I sure will. Um, well, listen, we'll let's, switch, let's switch gears a little bit here um, and talk about your defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. Okay. Uh, he's a fellow, former uh, linebacker here in Philadelphia for I think it was four seasons – um, yeah, four years in Philadelphia, 2012 to 2015. Uh, he was fantastic on the field. What a leader he was. I mean, Chip Kelly was here in those days before going to the 49ers. Um, and he called him Mustafa or Mustafa, whatever that Lion King. Mustafa. Mustafa yeah. That's what he called yeah. him. So, I mean, and, and he really did a great job in Philadelphia in four years, five picks, five sacks over 300 tackles very good but what now he's transitioning to a defensive coordinator and there were some teams I thought that might hire him or look to him as a head coach you know what how has he been in San Francisco coordinating what looks you know the Niners always have a good defense and you know Ryan's is at the top of the pole there well it's a tough job because the head coach is an offensive guy so when you're the defensive coordinator of the Niners, this is your baby. That's your side of the ball. And Kyle, I mean, he might have some input, but probably very little. It's pretty much whatever you want to do. And that's, you know, great freedom, but it's a lot of responsibility. And, you know, Robert Sala did great with it. It's part of the reason that he became a head coach, because people recognize that he was almost a co-head coach on this team. He left, and I think a lot of people wondered, wow, it's a lot of responsibility for D'Amico. It's a top five defense. This is a Super Bowl a team with Super Bowl aspirations, and this guy has never called a play, never been a coordinator. I think some people were a little curious to see how he would do. He did struggle a little bit early in the season in the sense that he had a vision for what he wanted the defense to be. 
more aggressive than Salah. Salah was more from the Pete Carroll school of play, you know, rush for play zone, keep it in front of you. Don't give up big plays. That's the best way to play defense. A little more conservative. D'Amico came out with press man coverage across the board. And like, <laughs> okay. I like this because yeah. it, it, it pairs well with the good passers. Take away the quick stuff. It's just the problem was he didn't have the corners to pull it off. And the Niners are getting flagged left and right. And they're giving up big plays, which is a no-no. It's how you lose. And Salah didn't give that up, those up. To D'Amico's credit, he adjusted midseason. All of a sudden, he had his DBs playing nine yards off the ball. And he did, he made do with what he had. Had another top. I think his defense ranked third in yards allowed. He totally shut down the, the Cowboys in the, in the playoffs. Yes. He totally shut down Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. And, I mean, you know, the Niners as a whole kind of melted down at the end of the NFC Championship game. But really for a, a, a rookie season, for a coordinator all on his own, A+. Plus. And I think he could have probably been – I don't know if he could have been the Vikings head coaching head coach, but he pulled himself out of that uh, job, and I think he's holding out for something better. I think he probably should, probably should be a head coach right now. He probably will be one next year. Probably next year, the year after. Yeah, that, that's 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 remarkable. So he, you think he he could have had the Vikings job? Maybe you think he was. Maybe I mean maybe maybe he felt that he was like uh, not really in the running and didn't want to put himself through the indignity, or maybe he just felt it wasn't the job for him. Um, I don't know. I feel like next year he's going to be as in demand as Robert Sala was a couple of years ago, if not more. Yeah, you know it's interesting. That seems to be a trend in the NFL with the head coaches getting younger. I mean he. Uh, Ryan's I think turns 38 later this I'm sorry yeah 38 later this month and uh, you know next year he'll be 39 Nick Sirianni was 40 when he got the uh, when he got the Eagles head coaching job and obviously Sean McVay out there and in, in the NFC West that you see twice a year he's a young young coach but that seems to be a trend for the NFL so Ryan's fits right right along uh, those lines in terms of young guys being elevated to head coaches. The only thing working against him is that he's a defensive coach. And it seems that today yeah. in the NFL, if you're an offensive coach, you don't have to prove anything to become a head coach. You've got to know someone and just be available. Uh, as a defensive coach, it, you got, it seems like you've got to prove it a few times. Because even if you're demonstrably the best, it's fair to be like, well, who's your offensive coordinator? What do you know about quarterbacks? Why should you be the coach? And I guess they have to prove that. So what's interesting is you, answer, you ask D'Amico Ryan's a question about quarterbacks. Really, that's not his field of expertise. And it's fair for it would be fair for him to say, you know, it's not really for me to talk about. Loves talking about quarterbacks, his quarterback, their quarterback, because he needs to show that he can that he knows that stuff. And Salah did the same thing. It's a smart move. Um, to if you, if you want to be a head coach, you have to be involved in that position somehow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you brought up quarterbacks, and we'll take a little slight detour here into the 49ers quarterback situation if you want to. Um sure. yeah. We, Trey Lance, Jimmy G, uh, what's what's going to happen there? What what do you think? How's that going to all play out? Yeah, uh, I think it looks bad from the outside, right? They still have Jimmy G. They must not trust Trey Lance. Jimmy's still there. Well, that's fair. I think their plan going into the whole Trey Lance thing was to just redshirt him for one year. So I think it wasn't like they brought him in. He was worse than they expected, and they panicked. I think they were just saying, he's 21. He's freaking 21. Let's just not even go there. Sit him for a year. And I think the plan was to trade Jimmy in March. He had this surgery and the Niners are saying that's the reason they haven't traded him yet. I think they're either holding on to the hope or the delusion that once he starts throwing in a couple of weeks, that there's going to be some team that wants him in a trade. I don't see it. 
So I guess what they're doing is let's just try one more time to trade him. And if he doesn't, I think, I think they'll do the right thing and cut him before training camp because look, I was there at OTAs in minicamp. It's just practice. But for a 22 year old who didn't play with the first team last year, Trey Lance just was excellent. He completed 75% of his throws. His TD to INT ratio was four to one. He couldn't have done anything more to make the Niners feel confident in a practice setting than what he did. So it seems like the Niners probably, if they can't trade Jimmy, and I don't think they can, they'll find some way to justify releasing him because they can do that. He has no guaranteed money and just take the leap of faith. That's what I think is going to happen, but hmm. they haven't done it yet. We'll see. Yeah, that's that's a very good, uh, very interesting take. And then, of course, if they do go that route and get rid of Jimmy G, then Nate Sudfeld, is he the backup suddenly? Another former Eagle player uh, is is now the backup. What's amazing is so Rich Gangarello was the came went from the Eagles to the Niners last year. I guess he was a, some senior offensive assistant came to the Niners as a quarterback coach to reunite with Jimmy Garoppolo, and he brought Nate Sudfeld with him. I guess they developed some kind of a bond in Philly. Uh, Sudfeld spent most of the year on the practice squad. Any team could have poached him. No one wanted him. Um, he's never started a game. I've seen what he did in the regular season with the Eagles. It wasn't pretty. This offseason, the Niners gave him guaranteed money. He's their number two quarterback. That's amazing to me because Kyle every year gets quarterbacks injured. I'm saying gets quarterback injured, but every year the Niners go through quarterbacks. Yeah. And a uh, big reason they made the playoffs last year was Trey Lance. When, when Jimmy got hurt, Trey Lance won a game week six, 17, uh, had, had to have a game, won it. Can Sudfeld do that? I mean, you tell me, I don't know. I see him in practice. He looks uninspiring. Yeah. I, I you know, he just, um, I, I guess coaches like what they see because he really, he didn't get a whole lot of opportunity in Philadelphia. Now, you know, there was that alleged tank game that the Eagles played against the Washington football team when they pulled Jalen Hurts out after three quarters and put Nate Sudfeld in because Doug Peterson said he's been a lawyer, loyal soldier. He wanted him to get some time, and that's why he did it. Yeah, uh, I'm not so sure about that. But in that short time, he didn't exactly, you know, open any eyes and say, yeah, that, that guy, he can be a starter. Yeah, even a number two. He's a cap- uh, competent number two quarterback who will win you games if you need him to, but I'm not even sure I would go there yet, but listen, nice kid. You know, he, he's, he's got all the intangible stuff, the arm, the, you know, the, the size, but you know, can he make enough plays? I, I don't know. Jury's still out. And it's really strange. He's been in this league since, you know, coming in from the Indiana university and in I think 2015 or 2016 with Washington. And here he is all these years later, he still has a job. So he, he's doing something right. You said coaches love him. Yeah, it seemed like the kind of guy who's probably going to end up on a coaching staff sooner than later. And that's great to have that kind of a guy in your quarterback room, like a coach and kind of like a he's like a caddy. He's the he's the starters caddy. What if he has to play, though? Right. What if he has to play? I mean, I don't know. It seems a little dangerous to me, but I mean, we're not really here to talk about the Niners, but the Niners are very strange in the sense that they went to the NFC freaking championship game last year and had the most modest offseason ever. I mean, their attitude was. Yeah, we're on the doorstep, but we were 10 and 7. We could have missed the playoffs too. So let's not overreact. Let's hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo, not spend a lot of money and sort of see where things shake out. Like, wow, really? Most of the time when you go to the AFC to the NFC championship game and lose, the attitude is, oh, we're one player away. Let's make that one move. That's not what the Niners did. It's very strange. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think I think it's the Eagles did it. Yeah. The Eagles went to the playoffs and really brought in all sorts of players. The Eagles did it. 
Yeah. Not the Niners. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Eagles went all in, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, listen, there's so many different, uh, you know, so many uh, former players for the Eagles that are in San Francisco, coaches. You mentioned Scarangello, who was here. Uh, briefly, but uh, you have Hassan Ridgeway now, a, a free agent defensive tackle that you signed. Um, you know, he was good in Philadelphia. I, I, the problem was injuries with him. He, he had two of his seasons cut short, but he's a, he's a good guy. He can help your defensive front, I think. The Eagles just weren't going to bring him back. Um, you know, they went out and they got Jordan Davis, but I like Hassan Ridgeway. Let me ask you about Hassan Ridgeway because he's very important for the 49ers. Their nose tackle that's going to start next to Eric Armstead inside is Javon Kinlaw who first round pick, very talented player, had a complete ACL reconstruction surgery this offseason and has missed quite a bit of time. So in the event that he can't play the entire season or can't be himself, boom, here comes Hassan Ridgeway. He's the next man up because the starting nose tackle for the Niners last year was DJ Jones. He went to Denver. So Niner fans need to know about Hassan Ridgeway. You know about the wide nine. The Niners use the wide nine out here. And if those two interior guys – uh, can't you know hold up to double teams? You just get gassed up the middle repeatedly. How would he do in that scheme against those double teams in the well, line? I I think in in short bursts he's very effective, but he's not a guy that you want to play. You know, fifty percent of the snaps in a game. Yeah, I'm not even not sure. even. I, I I don't think I'd go that high. I mean, I would play him. Uh, you know, I would use him in a rotation. I mean, I would play right. him maybe. 35, 40% of the snaps. And I think that's how he's going to be most effective. I think his whole career has kind of been spent in that role. So if you're counting on him to kind of step in and play 60, 70% of the defensive snaps, I don't think that's a formula for success for with Hassan Ridgeway. Now, listen, like I said, good guy. I think he can play. I just don't know if he can play every down. I think he gets a little bit exposed. I think he gets a little bit worn down. And then injuries – are, are a real thing for him. I mean, he had two of his seasons here in Philly. He came over as a free agent, uh, or actually in a trade. The Eagles traded a seventh-round pick to the Indianapolis Colts to bring him here a few years ago. But, again, two of those years he spent here, uh, finished the season on injured reserve. So that's an issue. And if you have a guy that you're counting on to play 60% of the snaps or more than 50, let's say, that's, that's not good because of his injury history and because I don't think he's ever done it. So – um, yeah, that, that to me is where he might get exposed as if you have to rely on him to play too much. Well, I'm looking real quick. The Niners, uh, nose tackle from last year, DJ Jones, he played 550 snaps, 51%. That's a little too much to ask a Ridgeway. Well, I guess if, if Kinlaw stays healthy, he won't have to do that, but right. right. I, he so might be able to do 50, yeah. he might be able to handle it again. You're Good. really, it's a risk, I think. Um, and again, Ridgeway is the kind of guy you'd probably want to root for to have success. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a good, good person. And, uh, you know, I, I like him as a person in the locker room and I like him on the field too. He just, to me, he seems to get exposed the more he plays and then he opens himself up to the risk of injury too, the more he plays. So, um, I see. So it, it, the less you use him, the better he'll be. Let me just ask, because again, they probably shouldn't need to use him very much. And if he does get in the rotation, it's to stop the run on first and 10. You know what I mean? To stop the run on second and four. Exactly. It, can you do that? Yes, he can do that. And he's, he's okay. he can give you some pass rush up the middle, too. He had a couple sacks. Okay. You know, he does have some explosion to his game. But again, over the course of, uh, you know, 80 snaps in a game, you know, you don't want to have him out there for, you know, 50 of those. You know, you want to limit his usage, I think, to keep him effective. Is he the kind of player that looks more explosive in the first quarter than the fourth quarter? 
Well, depending on how he's used in the first, second, and third yeah, quarter, you know, if point. you're managing Fair his snaps properly, then yeah, he can he can be a good reliever off the bench in the fourth quarter and give you some good uh, some good snaps. But I think again, it's dependent on how he's used in those first three quarters. If he's going to, well, it'll be interesting. He very yeah. well could be a key, a key contributor for the 49ers this season. Yeah. So there's a couple other Eagles there, Grant, and you know, a couple of them are receivers that neither one of us know much about. Marcus Johnson. Uh, played 10 games, uh, I think, oh, gosh, maybe three years ago with the Eagles. Uh, didn't really distinguish himself. Five catches, I think, he had in those 10 games. And then there's Keyshawn Johnson. Not the mm-hmm. Keyshawn Johnson, but it's spelled differently. But he he was on the practice squad last year. Uh, it was somebody Nick Sirianni talked about, too, Keyshawn Johnson, that, you know, is a possibility to be active later in the season. He never was. But two guys there. But then there's another guy, Jordan Matthews, trying to learn how to mm-hmm. play tight end. Right. Eagles drafted him second round 2014, had a very good career in Philadelphia, five years, uh, 21 of his 22 touchdown catches came in Philadelphia. But as a wide receiver, now he's making the transition to tight end. Uh, He's probably gained some weight, I would hope. But uh, obviously, George Kittle gets all the all the juice out there in San Francisco. But what about after Kittle? Does this guy have a shot? Any kind of shot, do you think, Jordan Matthews? You know, it's so interesting because I don't know that he does. I, he's he's almost 30 years old. Yes. Uh, he's learning a new position. He, he is bigger. He's uh, 236 pounds now. I think he's up, what, 20 pounds from when he was a wide receiver. Yeah, um, right. In his career, he has earned not as much money as I expected. He was just a second-round pick, but he did, he's earned more than $7 million in his career. So he did pretty well for himself. Yeah. And it's like last year he was just on the practice squad. Like this is, this is a guy who would a pro bowler. He had a very good seasons. He's made some money. And now he pretty much plays football for fun on yeah. 49ers. Mm-hmm. And he's undertaking this project to learn a new position. He may or may not ever make the team as a tight end. He doesn't really seem to mind. I think he loves football that much that he would love to be on this practice squad. However, they'll take him, And he likes, mini camp and practice like wow i've never seen someone like football that much to go through what he's going through i hope it works out and he actually gets a role in the team as a time and to his credit he caught like a 50 yard touchdown pass from trey lance in mini camp i was quite surprised look great so maybe he can do it oh he's, he's putting catch. It, he's putting the work he, yeah he can definitely catch and it's funny because tight yeah. ends one of those positions where guys always seem to transition to you know, if you, if you don't make it at another position, you know, the Eagles have a guy, Tyree Jackson. He was a quarterback at the University of Buffalo. Uh, he's making the transition to tight end. And, of course, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was a kind of like Matthews, second-round pick, 57th player overall. But in 2019, Matthews was the, I think, 42nd overall player taken in the 2014 draft. But now Ortega-Whiteside's trying to make that transition to tight end. Didn't have the career that Matthews had as a receiver. So, He's also gained some weight, but it's interesting that that's a position where guys seem to transition to Tim Tebow of all people, right? Didn't he try to do it? Tim Tebow tried to yeah. become a tight end too. Right. It didn't right. quite work yeah. out, but yeah. Uh, and listen, there's what, 16 spots on practice squad. So, uh, you know, Matthews could certainly find a home there, I would think, and continue to learn. No, how he, to play. Absolutely. he yeah. seems like someone that Kyle Shanahan just loves again. I feel like when he, he to love football this much, and to be this dedicated to the 49ers, I'm guessing he's this, there's a spot on quality control waiting for him as soon as he retires. Yeah, yeah. He's probably going to be around Kyle for a while. Good for him. Yeah. I always thought when I first met him, came out of Vanderbilt, 
Um, Jerry Rice's nephew? Who? Jerry Rice's nephew? Jerry Rice's cousin? Yes, yes. Yeah, there's, a fa- there's, there's some kind of family connection there. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that. But yeah. I thought, you know, after dealing with him for a couple of years, I thought, you know, this guy, he's a smart guy who I could see him land in the commissioner's office with some kind of role, mm-hmm. you know, working for the NFL. But you're right. He could land with a team in some kind of a, a front office uh, situation. But uh, and again, Absolutely. another good guy that everybody liked talking to when he was here in Philadelphia and uh, was pretty okay. open and open. So, um, well, listen, it's amazing to see, to see a veteran try to remake himself like that. I mean, the odds are against you. You don't have to do it. It's probably a big hit to your ego. Every play, everyone has an ego. And he's like, I don't care. It'll be fun. Why not? Yeah. I hope it was. Yeah. I, I think you touched on it. I mean, he must love playing yeah. football, right? Must love the camaraderie of it and the competition yeah. and, and everything that comes with the game. Because, huh? The, the, he pretty much love practice because he's yeah. not in the games. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned practice because when Matthews came here, he was the guy that would take a 10-yard a pass in practice, and he would run all the way to the end zone. That's how Jerry did it. That's how yeah. Jerry Rice did it. That, yeah. and, and he would do it. And the coaches would be like, dude, you know, don't do that. You know, just <laughs> give us the ball <laughs> back and get back in the huddle. Yeah, right. Let's That's go. really funny. Yeah, That's so, funny. Uh, anyway, um, I guess uh, I guess that'll do it. Um, I think I lost you. Oh, I'm here. You oh, okay. Me? Good, good. Hey, um, all right, so listen, Grant Cohn, all 49ers, make sure you check out his work um, and, uh, you know, find him. Where can you, where can they find your, uh, your masterpieces? SI.com slash NFL slash 49ers. All right, great. Um, all right, well, listen, I appreciate the time and uh, we'll talk again soon, Grant. Thanks again for all the great information. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.